right, Father Jonathan, are we still in Easter? We are still in Easter. This is the third Sunday of Easter. That's right. That's right. And today, as we record, was the Doubting Thomas Sunday. And I got news That's for right. you. What's that? I didn't preach today. What? Yeah. Why not? I think this is the first time since we've started recording and I've been ordained to preach that I haven't preached. Um, is that right? Maybe not. I feel like that's not right. Yeah, that can't be right. Um, <laughs> I um, So there was there was a different priest that was going to be celebrating the Mass, and so I just decided to stay home, and we have a house Mass for the non-ordained in the community, and so I decided to just participate in that Mass. Um, oh. And so somebody was already already slated to preach. Um Actually, it came it came good because I was kind of needing an off week this week. Yeah. Sometimes you need that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I don't really have much to feed back to you from um, this week's homily. Other than one thing, uh, I got to say, I listened to Barron's... He, you know how he does these sermons on a weekly basis to prepare uh-huh. for Sunday? I got to tell you, man, I listen to them every week and I find myself... I love everything he does pretty much, but I find that his sermons are less and less engaging to me. Um, and this week he did say something that you and I spoke about last week, which was that like the ecclesial dimension of belief, you know, and Thomas needing to lean on the faith of the community. I thought that was good, but I found everything else that he said a little bit, just kind of flat, you know? Yeah. Well, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Any takeaways from the homily you heard? Uh, well, maybe if I heard a homily. Oh, Uh, (laughs) fair enough. Fair enough. So you haven't gone to mass yet? Nope. Nope, back to my old practice. I'm going to celebrate a Mass here in a little while. Cool. So maybe I'll preach to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Maybe for your homily, you should listen to our homily prep episode from last week. Ooh, I should. That'd be fun. Um, cool, man. Well, anyway, so third Sunday of Easter, what do you got? Yeah. So a couple of things. You know, I'm really interested in this law. So you know, you know that the very end of Luke, the disciples on their way to Emmaus is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I like Luke so much, is because I love that story. And here we've got kind of the continuation of that. Uh, and what I love is that, okay, we've got these guys that have just had this encounter, and they run back to Jerusalem. And while they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Hmm. But they were startled and terrified. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> have we learned nothing? <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, yeah, and I think it's fascinating. I mean, just on a kind of a, a different level, you know, we often see uh, see this come up. Like anytime a, an angel comes by or one of the resurrection appearances, uh, people are scared. And I think I think we overlook that a lot of the time. Mm. Like... This is not a like a a natural thing. Hmm. People coming back from the dead, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, right. And so, uh, I, and I love that. You know, peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Yeah, I mean, they thought they were seeing a ghost. You know, um, no, that's fair. That's fair. And I do. Do you think this are, these are the same guys that were on Emmaus on the road to Emmaus that are startled again? I mean, maybe it's the rest of the disciples, but presumably, yeah. yeah. No, I mean that's kind of curious. Why would they just they just had this encounter with Christ and yet they see him again and they're still terrified, you know. Yeah. Um I thought the angle I thought you were going there with the fear thing was um how sometimes before God fear is good. Like that's yeah. there's there's something awesome about God and his angels that mm-hmm. elicits fear in us, but there's it's kind of a holy fear. This is not what the disciples yeah. are are experiencing. They're experiencing it probably the kind of fear that doesn't belong to discipleship, but yeah. Anyway, well, 
No, I think there's I think there's room for both of those things to be true. Like kind of what I was getting at was that we lose that sense of terror at the supernatural. You know, because mm. we see the story so often told and, you know, we have such such a for the for a good um to our benefit, I think we have such a good intellectual understanding of, uh, of the gospels. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at, at a base level, like some of this stuff should terrify us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's something interesting that you're saying. Cause I think with the reading like this, um, one of the things that a, a preacher tends to do, I think is try and really emphasize how Jesus is no different than he was. Um, yeah. like, yeah. see, he eats, he eats a uh, fish, you know, yeah. see, he has his hands and feet. It's like, okay, good. Yeah, this is obviously the same Christ as the one that we saw dead on the cross. But there's something to what you're saying that we may overlook that we can also emphasize how strangely different this yeah. man is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very different. Yeah, yeah. And so I think we, we we overemphasize, if you want to talk about like spiritual experience and encounters with God that we have in our faith life. I think uh-huh. recently we've tried in the last few decades to overemphasize God is found in the ordinary. God is found in what mm-hmm. you already know. God is found in the, you know, in the day to day. And it's like, good, yeah, totally. But God also like stands in the midst of you, and you kind of get scared, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, this is somewhat reminding me. This may be too much of a tangent, but bear with me for a second. I was reminded of. Do you remember we were back in Dallas and went to see the most recent King Arthur movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh so one of the guys here preached about it. They he and another Jesuit watched only the first few minutes of it. They didn't like it. Um, you know, he was kind of comparing it to it's just the same kind of superhero like movie. He can only do this these great things if he's got this great power. Blah 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 blah. Okay, that's not what I was interested in. What I was, what I loved about being reminded of this, was a comment that I made, and we kind of talked a little bit more about it. Like in recent years, like in the last. 10 or 20 years, there's been such an influence and such an emphasis on like the historical Arthur Hmm. uh, that I guess is fine if you want to do that. But like the story needs magic. Hmm. The story needs, you know, the dragon. It needs the wizards. It needs all that stuff to really, because that's what the story is about. Well, okay. It's not what the story is about, but it's it's so ingrained into it. Hmm. And so it's somewhat refreshing to see that. And I think it's similar to what you're talking about here. Like, you're right. I think you're right. We we have been so focused on the historical Jesus that we can kind of lose the supernatural element to, right, right. to the gospel. Right. Yeah. So the other day I was hearing a... Um, uh, actually, I don't feel too bad for us going on these sorts of tangential points. I think the resurrection narratives kind of allow for this because it's an event. It's an event that we're trying to get at from many different experiences and different angles and different apparitions. And so the other day I was thinking about this with one of the homilies I heard in the house where I was getting a little bit annoyed because every reference to the resurrection was kind of a, kind of a flattening out of the, (laughs) the experience of this raising this man from the dead to a, in our hearts, there must be new life born in us, uh, in the community, there yeah. must be new life when there's tragedy. It's like, okay, good. Yeah, yeah like that's obviously cool. part of the resurrection accounts, like not discount, discounting that. Um, but we're, we're really flattening this thing out here. Like we're, we're kind of reducing the, like putting the flame down a little bit on the fact that this is really strange, you know, yeah. that Jesus yeah. 
is alive. Rose from <laughs> the dead. Yeah, yeah, no. It's not just this like symbolic, you know, springtime narrative, you know, where there's right. new life after winter. It's like that's not what this is, you know. Um anyway, yeah, so this kind of to your whole point. Like there is strangeness in the resurrection that invites a, to i think a certain kind of contemplative mysticism of like there's something mm-hmm. weird and unique that happens with jesus that should give us pause and should give us some sense of of wonder about what's going on like you see that in the transfiguration you see that in the miracles you mm-hmm. see that in the thunder coming from the clouds that people think is just a storm but it's the voice of the father and there's a lot of strange elements in the gospel that we try to flatten out and i think the resurrection is probably yeah. The first among them. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. You know, and one of the things that I think people, okay, people, by people I mean me, uh, <laughs> struggle with when we're when we use this kind of resurrection uh, in both the good and the in the negative ways that we've talked about. This language, you know, is sort of a rebirth, a new a newness. Um, that it becomes like, well, so does that mean I can't sin anymore? Does that mean I'm going to be perfect now? Because I know that I'm not going to be. Mm-hmm. So what does this actually mean, like when the rubber hits the road? And that's what I love about this second reading from from the first letter of St. John. Like, I'm writing this so that you may not commit sin. Mm. Okay. But if you do, <laughs> here's, you know, here's Jesus. Like, mm. that's not the end of the story. Uh, just being a person that does not commit sin anymore. I yeah. think our lives are way, way more complicated than that. Yeah. And God knows that. Yeah. And that's why God sent himself mm-hmm. <laughs> in the person of Jesus. Right, right. Um, you know, like kind of what we're talking about with this institutional awareness and memory and, and and this corporate identity, you know, like we rely on the commandments. We rely on those who have gone before. We, we rely on the saints, mm-hmm. not so that they can replace God, but so that when I am less than worthy or even in in times of doubt, when my belief is not as strong as it should be. Like, I can rely on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, for sure, for sure. It's actually kind of maybe one of the ways of reading this whole gospel that we have for this week as well, that there's just a lot of different ways in which the community is present. So the community, the two disciples returned, and then there's in the midst of them, then there's food, there's conversation, there's opening the scriptures. Yeah. Like, you have yeah. the whole ecclesial life kind of on display in a, all these sort of, like, anecdotal ways, you know? Um, he's eating, he's speaking, he's reading, he's talking, he's standing, he's wishing. So like in the midst of all of that, how do you, when you don't find yourself in a place where you cannot sin, how do you find yourself leaning on the community of believers in all these different ways, you know? So like we eat together, we read together, we listen to the words of the prophets, we we ultimately have an experience of Christ in our midst, you know, that when I'm not in a place where I can really confess the resurrection of the Lord and the newness of life that he brings to me as a sinner, it's like, well, I can probably lean on you, you know, that you can right. maybe help me there. Right. Yeah. And that's such a wonderful gift to have been, uh, that we are, that we are given, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it almost is, it almost seems like as, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, wait a second, isn't this more of like a Pentecost homily mm. or like a Pentecost theology? And in a sense, I think it is, but you know, we often talk about, maybe it's just me that often talks about the need for a preparation. You know, like I've, I've said before that, you know, the weeks leading up to Lent or Advent or whatever are kind of preparing you to prepare for the great feast that's to come. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe this is what we're, what we're seeing. Like we're getting, we're getting a taste of it. We're still being taught 
literally by Jesus resurrected, visiting us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in a couple of weeks, he's going to officially hand it over, Mm. hand over the reins. Mm. Um, Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, One last, one last little thing on, I I think one last thing on this, this sort of trek that I think is interesting is if we go back to the reading from Acts, so like this is, isn't this after Pentecost? I mean, isn't Peter speaking after Pentecost in chapter three, right? Uh, is that right? Or is it chapter six? Okay. I can never remember. So maybe this is Pentecost preparation as well. But I just wanted to hone in on one little detail here in, in what Peter is saying, because again, you have the community of believers, but there's something that links the gospel to the first reading. And that is that Peter is speaking about the old covenant. So the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, and then the mouth of all of the prophets, they announced to you that the Christ would suffer. So he's recapitulating everything that came before, and then Stephen will do the same thing on his martyrdom. You know, he'll speak about the yeah. old covenant. But you see it with Jesus when he speaks here, just like he did on the road to Emmaus, again, just a chapter later, you know, he opens the scriptures for them. Like, he's opening their minds to understand the scriptures. So you can have a whole homily built around that as well, is that in this moment, everything that came before is summarized and is reaching its climax uh, in right. in Christ. So it's not just that we stand in the midst of the believers today, but this is what Abraham and Moses and Joshua longed for, this experience of Christ yeah. resurrected from the dead. Um, yeah. Anyway, so there's a whole, there's a different angle there with the homily, where it could be a kind of a catechetical homily about, this is what the scriptures are pointing us to, is sure. this experience of Christ in the midst of the community, breaking bread together and you know, reading the scriptures, you know, and experiencing peace. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot there, but. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think that's, it's an important thing. Kind of what I was talking about earlier, like we need to, you know, okay, we're given this so that we may be better and have this life changing event so that we can, you know, grow in holiness and all of that good stuff. Um, But we're reminded again in our, in our reading, and I just looked it up. It is, so Pentecost is chapter two and we're in middle mm-hmm. of chapter three, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that we'll remind it again that the author of life you put to death, mm-hmm. but, and I love that, but God raised him from the dead. Like, yes, we are still sinners. Yes, right. we are still going to betray Jesus. Yes, we are still going to, you know, you name it, we're going to do it. But this is the one whom God raised from the dead mm-hmm. for our salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Therefore, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be wiped away. Hmm. Like, I wonder, I wonder, you know, if it's, if it's the case that we need to see this solely as, you know, that we, we talk about that, um, that repentance, that conversion being this monumental once in a lifetime thing. Um, but how could we see it as, you know, the smaller everyday choices that we make to either walk closer to Jesus or to walk further away from him. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we're doing both of those in the same, you know, in the same day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I just noticed? Uh, <laughs> I just noticed that our Alleluia verse is not actually a quote from scripture. Uh, oh yeah. Did you see it? It says, Lord Jesus, open the scriptures to us, make our hearts uh, burn while you speak to us. That's not scripture. So kind of like, <laughs> no. So, it, the, the, the citation... I mean, it's a reference. Well, yeah, the citation says, 
refer to Luke twenty four thirty two. So so it's an inspired thing from Emmaus. So like that's the background is Emmaus, but now the Louis verse is yeah. kind of putting into context. What I love about that is that it changes it from um, the Lord opened the scriptures to us and were not our hearts burning, changes it yeah. to a petition. Yeah. Lord, open the scriptures for us. Lord, make our hearts burn while you speak to us. Mm. And that I don't know. That kind of gives me some some life to think about how I might pitch this entire gospel passage as a response to that petition. Like, yeah. Lord, make our hearts burn. Okay. I'll come and stand in the midst of you and I'll offer you peace. Okay, I'll come and stand in the midst of you and offer you my wounded hand. I'll come in the midst of you and I'll offer you food and I'll offer you the word. And with that, I will set your heart on fire. Hmm. You know, like there's something really cool here that there's a petition that we've asked for and Jesus kind of responds to it in these ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what if, what if, (laughs) uh, yeah, our our emphasis for this week. Um, oh man, what am I even trying to say here? What if we need to just sit with that, with that feeling of the apostles or the disciples, of their hearts burning? Hmm. Like, do you want this? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You, do you want this? You could also ask. I mean, it'd be a very poignant question to ask anybody, and I would, I would struggle to answer it what, have i ever had my heart set on fire like what does that hmm. what does that mean like i think we yeah. we talk about it in terms of zeal or in terms of passion yeah but man conviction yeah to be set on fire like what does that mean you know we toss it around a lot and if jesus is responding in a way here with peace well then the fire in the heart requires peace it requires food it requires the word it requires the community it requires the wounds all that you know um. Yeah, you could do a whole reflection on that question. You know, it's like, what does it mean to experience yeah. your heart set on fire? I mean, quite literally, it's a, there's going to be a destruction there. Hmm. Fire burns. Yeah. So it's going to burn away everything, and it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't. This is like perhaps this is another one of those moments where we kind of gloss over the like the very real, um, not just physical, but the supernatural element as well. Like. We need to be burned away. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to lessen so that Jesus may increase. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. Like there's the, the great examples, you know, of, the, you know, the redwoods that need the, the fires so that their seeds can open up and, you know, spread or whatever. Mm. Or like these tropical paradises in like Hawaii that are only that beautiful because they're regularly... Ca- cleansed by fire <laughs> yeah uh, and the nutrients are put back into the soil hey and what uh like, that's that's us what did you say before what are we preparing for pentecost boom yeah <laughs> so, yeah i mean burned away by fire talk about yeah no that's good i like that hey uh one last uh one last question for you just before we go um what does this phrase mean while they were still incredulous for joy what does that mean <laughs> uh I don't know. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed. <laughs> what? So while they were still unbelieving for joy? What? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I have no idea what that means. ignorance is bliss kind of a thing. <laughs> I have no idea what this means. <laughs> I have no idea what this means. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Like, So think about it. He He shows them his hands and feet, and they were incredulous for joy. Is there joy blinding them to the reality of the wounded hand and the wounded feet? Ooh. Oof, oof. 
Ooh, yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of a weird, like, there might be a whole homily there, bro. Hmm. That's interesting. I'll have to think about that some more. Because, I mean, Jesus shows them his hands and feet, and they were incredulous because of joy. What? Incredulous because of joy. Disbelieving because of joy. Or for joy. Yeah, anyway. I think there might be a whole homily there as well. Huh. Interesting. All right. Cool, man. Yeah. Any parting well, thought from you? That. Any parting thought? No. <laughs> Just go pray. <laughs> All right, buddy. Till next time.